The Bible says in verse number 1 of Psalm 63, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee, my flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see Thy power and Thy glory so as I have seen Thee in the sanctuary. Because Thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise Thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee, Thy right hand upholdeth me, but those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword, they shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God, every one that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you've given us the privilege And the opportunity to be here tonight, and Lord, I pray for the next few moments that you would just please give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech, and help me, Lord, to convey to these thy people, Lord, what you've placed heavily on my heart for this moment. And God, I pray that you would help us all to be receptive to what thus saith the Lord, and use your word, God, I pray, to convict, to conform, to transform us more into the image of Jesus Christ, our Savior and your Son. And Lord, everything that's said and everything that's done, Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory that you so truly deserve. And we ask all of this in the name that is above all names. In Jesus' name we do humbly pray. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. For the next few moments, I want to preach, if God will help us, on this subject, on practical principles when you're in a parched place. And I believe that's what we clearly see unfolded right here in Psalms chapter number 63 through the life of King David. We understand as we consider the life of David that David, of course, at a point in time in his life, He was anointed as a ruddy little boy to be king of Israel. And we all know the story. God had His hand upon David and God gave him the courage and God gave him the strength and the ability to conquer Goliath. And we understand that the women gathered together and they sang, David has killed his ten thousands and Saul his thousands. And we know that Saul's heart was grieved and he became very envious and jealous of David. So he began to pursue David to take his life. We understand that David, he fled like a fugitive from his hometown and he was living in the wilderness, in and out of caves, running for his life. We understand that David, God protected him and God preserved him through that moment and through that time, through that period in his life. We understand that David, he overcame that hurdle and that obstacle in his life. God took care of Saul. We know that. And then there was a greater obstacle that occurred in David's life. Absalom, his son, 
desired to have the throne, to take David's position. So we, we know the story. Absalom, he ventured to, to take his own father's life so that he could be the king of Israel. And so we understand that David, his rightful place was in the palace. His rightful place was sitting on the throne and his rightful place was to be ruling over the nation of Israel. But in Psalms chapter number 63, we understand that David, he's not in his palace, he's not sitting on his throne and he's not ruling over God's people. David, according to the text, is in a dry, desolate, barren, Judean land. David is in a parched place. David is in the wilderness. And I wonder if there's anybody under the sound of my voice here tonight who's ever been in a dry place, been in a desolate place. Have you ever been in a difficult place? Because essentially, that's exactly where David was. He was in a dry, desolate, difficult place in his life. Geographically, we understand once again, he was in a Judean desert. But I want to make some spiritual application tonight, and I believe that everyone's convinced as I am that we are living in a dry and thirsty land spiritually. It's unfortunate, but it's very true that Christian homes today are drying up spiritually. Churches have, and they are, drying up spiritually. It never ceases to amaze me to hear how many churches are closing their doors and locking the doors and shutting the ministry down as a result of no financial means to allow the ministry to go on because there's not enough people to keep the lights on. That's occurring in America today. If there's ever been a time that you and I need to experience the latter rain from God, it is the day and hour in which we're living in. Our homes need the latter rain. So therefore, our churches can experience the latter rain. Amen. So that our society and our communities and our culture and our country can experience the latter rain. We need revival. Amen. Because certainly we are living in a dry and thirsty land. There's a lot of things that's drying up our Christian homes, drying up our churches, and drying up our our, uh, country today. You say, what are those things? I believe, and I believe that you would agree with me, that in the day that we're living in, we've traded the truth for technology. Never ceases to amaze me. We go, and listen, I've got a smartphone. I've got a smart TV. Are you with me? But you know, it seems that technology these days is taking precedence over everything. You go out into public and you just take time to observe and it's obvious that so many people are engrossed by this thing called the smartphone. You got the kids, they're glued to it. Mamas and daddies, they're glued to it. Even at home, I just wonder here tonight, and I've come to be a help and a blessing, so, so don't think I'm trying to be critical. I'm just trying to be biblical and be, and be real tonight. 
But even in our homes, I'm persuaded to believe that many of our Christian homes consist of spending more time on technology than they do in the truth of God's Word. Amen. We've traded, I'm persuaded to believe, the Scriptures for social media. Would you agree with me that atheism and agnosticism, pantheism, all these isms are on the rise right before our very eyes. We live in a society where people, they say, oh, there's all kinds of gods to worship and to serve. Liberalism, it's certainly on the rise. Just watch the news a little bit, amen. Come to Asheville for just a little while and you'll see that certainly liberalism is on the rise. The point is there are many things in our society, in our culture, in our country that are drying us up spiritually. Are you with me? And boy, I could, I could take time to expound there all night. But I got to move on. I believe that the spirit of apathy is drying up our Christian homes and churches and our society. Are you with me? I'm talking about apathy. What do you mean, preacher? Christians today, and I, I don't know how it is down here in Burnsville, but I know how it is back at home. It's seemingly, many Christians, they're losing their zip and their zeal, their fire and their fervency. They're losing their passion when it comes to the things of God. It reminds me of the book of Haggai. And I'm reminded when the uh, children of Israel, when they were in Babylonian captivity for 70 years, God gave King Cyrus the, the permission to go and to make the first proclamation to have the children of Israel to leave Babylonian captivity and return back to Jerusalem. And Brother Bradley, I've thought about that in my earthly mind. And I can just imagine how that God's people felt when they heard the proclamation when they realized and acknowledged that, hey, whew, we're escaping Babylon. We're being liberated and set free, and we get to go back to our homeland. Now, do you think for one minute that this was their response? Oh, huh, well, that's nice. Oh, whoopee. I'm going home. Absolutely not. I'm persuaded to believe there was a smile on their face, a skip in their step. I'm persuaded to believe there's a song in their heart and they were rejoicing over the fact that they had been liberated and set free and they were going back home. And the Bible teaches us that when they returned back to Jerusalem, they began to rebuild the temple. And the Bible teaches that their adversaries came. They overcame their adversaries, but we read in God's Word that a greater threat came into their life. You know what it was? Apathy. They lost their zip and their zeal and their excitement. They lost their thrill when it came to the work of God. So God, of course, He, he spoke to Haggai and he, he gave Haggai the words to convey to, to His people. And Haggai, of course, He said this, Consider your ways. Consider your ways. It's not time for you to sit in your sealed houses while this house lies in waste. And tonight, if there's one thing that I believe Christianity must do, it is this, consider our ways. 
Tonight, I want to challenge your heart to do just that. Consider your ways. Where's your fire? Where's your fervency? Where's your zeal? Where's your, your zip? Amen. Where's your passion when it comes to the Word of God and the will of God and the ways of God? When it comes to worshiping God, hey, the spirit of apathy is drying up our land. But not only the spirit of apathy, but the spirit of complacency. If you remember, that was the problem with the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelations. Remember the statement they made? Oh, we have need of nothing. That's where a lot of Christians are today. Well, I'm saved by grace. My wife's saved by grace. My kids are saved by grace. We all have a testimony. So now we're just going to sit and we're going to put her on idle and we're going we're to sit on grace and just sail on into heaven. We have need of nothing. We have everything we need. I believe we're living in a Laodicean church age. Would you agree, agree with me? The greatest threat, listen to me, and, I, and I'll move on. But please hear me out. The greatest threat in America today, it doesn't revolve around Russia or China. It doesn't revolve around bombs or missiles. It doesn't revolve around a bad economy. The greatest problem is not in the state house or the White House. It has nothing to do with the government. The greatest threat in America today is you and I as Christians developing a spirit of apathy and complacency. The fact of the matter is David is living in a dry and thirsty land. Is he not? Verse number one, where no water is. Spiritually, I believe we're living in a dry and thirsty land. But stay with me. Here, it, gets, it gets better, I promise. If you have a habit of taking notes, the first thing we see concerning the life of David in Psalm 63 is this. David, number one, is in a desolate place. But in verse 1 and 2, I see not only David in a desolate place, but I hear David's desperate plea. Notice, if you would, David's desperate plea. It's threefold. This is what God showed me, verse 1 and 2. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. David's desperate plea. The first thing I see about David's desperate plea is this. David's... Are you with me? I see here David's perception. Where is he? He's not in the palace. He's not sitting on the throne. He's not ruling over God's people. He's in a dry Judean desert. He's in a difficult place in his life. Now, time out. Let's just take observation of our lives tonight. I wonder how many of you are in a difficult place. I wonder how many of you walk through those doors tonight in a difficult place. Personally, you're in a difficult place. Maybe perhaps your family's in a difficult place. Maybe financially, you're in a difficult place. Maybe physically, you're in a difficult place. Emotionally, you're in a difficult place. And mentally, you're in a difficult place. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. There's not a doubt in my mind that there's some people under the sound of my voice tonight. You're in a difficult place. The question is, how are you going to respond in that difficult place? The question is, how did David respond? In that dry, desolate, difficult place? Well, the answer is right here. David kept his perception of God. 
when he was in a difficult place. How many of you don't raise your hand because I already know the answer. When you've gone through a difficult place in your life, perhaps maybe you've gone through a dry desert place in your, in your life, the first thing that you've wanted to do is just give up on God. Or you've wanted to question God, why? Perhaps maybe you've wanted to throw a pity party. Amen, feel sorry for yourself. Maybe you've gotten angry or mad or upset at God because things were just not working in your favor. And seemingly the odds were stacked up against you. You were in a difficult place and you just wondered, God, why? And where in the world are you? One thing that David can teach us when we're in a difficult, dry, desolate place in life is we always have one that we can rely on. We always have one that we can depend on. One who is faithful, reliable, and dependable. David never lost his perception of the person of God. He said in verse number one, Oh God. He never left or lost his perception not only of the person of God, but he never left his perception of the power of God. The, the, the name God is Elohim. Essentially, David was saying, Oh, the Supreme One. Oh, in this dry, desolate, and difficult place in my life. Oh, I've got you to depend on. And God, I've not forgotten in this difficult place. God, you are the supreme one. You're the sovereign one. You're the self-existing one. Oh, God, you're the mighty, majestic, and the marvelous one. God, you're the one that spoke creation into existence. God, you're the one that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea on dry ground. God, it's you that parted the Jordan so that they could walk through. It's you that enabled his people to conquer Jericho. Oh God, it was you that rained manna from heaven to feed them. It was you that brought water from a rock after Moses had smote it. God, you're faithful. You're dependable. You're reliable. And God, you're powerful. God, you've not left, lost your power. You're the same God today, yes yesterday and forever. David never lost his perception of God's person. He said, oh God, oh Elohim, God, you are the one that can get me through this dry, desolate, and difficult place in my life. He never left or lost rather his perception of God. Now listen, stay with me. How many of you, we're all human and I'm guilty. I'll raise both hands and say I'm guilty. When things get difficult in life, those difficulties in life or that difficulty in life, it has the ability to cause us to lose our perception. We see the bigness of that situation. We behold that situation. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It becomes a huge mountain. And before you know it, it overwhelms us in life. Amen. We see the bigness of it. And we lose our perception of the bigness of God. It's easy to do, isn't it? David teaches us, number one, that when we're in a dry, desolate, difficult place in life, 
It's important not to lose our perception of God. But I want you to notice this. Are you with me? In this desperate plea, I see not only David's perception, but I see that he makes God a priority in his life. Look at verse number 2. What does the Bible say? Early will I seek thee. Early will I seek thee. Essentially what David is saying is this. God, you're my number one priority. As soon as David opened his eyes, the first thing that entered into his mind was Elohim. Once again, he deserved to be in a palace. He deserved to sit on that throne. He deserved to rule over those people. He had every right to throw a pity party, feel sorry for himself, and want to throw in the towel. But he says, oh, no, I'm not going to. I'm just going to keep my eyes on God, and I'm going to continue to make Him a priority in my life. How many of you know of people, and don't raise your hand, but you know of people, once again, that when things got difficult, the first thing they wanted to, to do was detach themselves from church. The Word of God. Disconnect themselves from what matters most. Amen. What can get them through the difficulties and the storms that they encounter in their life. The Word of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God His Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this, church. When the difficulties come in life, you better make the rock your priority. Because when the difficulties come, you need strength, you need shelter, and you need a support system. And God has made a promise that He would be our rock. I'm reminded, I think it was in Psalm 61, after Absalom's death. I remember David, he said these words. When my heart is overwhelmed within me, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When the odds were stacked against him, when his heart was shattered and broken as a result of, of the death of his son Absalom, even though Absalom overturned the government and pursued to take his father's life, that was his blood. That was his, that was his son. He loved him. And at, the, at his death, the Bible teaches us that his heart was overwhelmed and he, he referred to God as his rock, which is a descriptive term. In essence, he was saying, God, you are my strength. You're my shelter. God, you are my support system. When difficulties come, you better make the rock a priority. When you're walking through life and you come to a crossroads, and perhaps maybe that's where you're at tonight, you better have the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, and the great shepherd as a priority in your life. Because he can lead you besides still waters. He can lead you to greener pastures. And he'll do that, amen, in his time. And it seems like the world is against you. And your heart is overwhelmed and you need comfort. When those difficulties come, you better make the comforter a priority in your life. Are you with me? David said, early will I seek thee. God, yeah, I'm in a desolate place. I'm in a dry place. I'm in a very difficult place in my life. But God... I'm going to keep my perception of you. And God, I'm going to continue to make you my priority. 
But then notice this. We see in David's desperate plea, David's petition. Notice verse number 2. He said this, To see thy power and thy glory. To see thy power and thy glory. How many of you want to see God's power and glory? Oh, I do. You know what David missed the most about being back at home at the palace? He missed the sanctuary. He missed being in the house of God. That's obvious in this text. What he's praying for is, God, I want to see your presence. I want to see your glory. I want to feel your glory. God, I want to know you more today than I've ever known you. I remember when Moses, it was in Exodus, I believe, chapter number 33. Remember when he, when he made that statement? Show me thy glory. That was his petition. That was his request. God, show me your glory. You know, God, he, he essentially said, Moses, I'll show you my glory. But the first thing you've got to do is prepare yourself. Moses, we understand, he had to go up alone. Amen. And I believe that every one of us could see God's glory if we had just make some preparation in our hearts and our lives. We see the preparation in the life of Moses, but we also see the separation of Moses' life. And I believe if we'd practice those two principles, amen, as Christians, we could see and we could experience God's glory. But the greatest petition that we could all have tonight is, Lord, show me your glory. Show my home, my family your glory. God, show this community your glory. God, send us revival. Lord, refresh us, restore us. Send us the latter rain. God, we need you. So we see here that David, I'm going to hasten. We see that he's in a dry place, desolate place, difficult place. But we hear David's desperate plea. And the third thing I want to show you here from God's word and I'll be done. Is in this dry, desolate, difficult place in David's life, we see his determined pursuit. His determined pursuit. Notice if you would, are you with me? Say amen. He said in verse number 8, My soul, my mind, my emotions, and my will followeth, how church? Hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. My soul, my mind, my emotions, and my will. God, they follow hard after Thee. Notice if you would here, as we consider David's determined pursuit, he says, my, my soul's going to follow hard after, after You. We see this, number one, in his praise to God. Notice if you would, are you with me? Say amen. amen. Notice we see here in verse number three. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. You may be in a difficult place tonight. Things may not be working in your favor. Seemingly your life is falling apart. You may be in a desolate place. But you know what? He's worthy. Even in the midst of that, of our praise. You know why? Because as David declares here his loving kindness is a good reason for every one of us to just praise him 
despite the storms, despite the situations, amen, despite the battles in life, despite all the hardships in life, all the oppression, amen, in life, hey, he's still worthy of our praise. Why? Because of his loving kindness, David said, because he's loved me and been good to me and been faithful to me, despite this dry and desolate and difficult place in my life, hey, I'm going to still worship him. Praise God. He loved us enough to save us and therefore he's worthy of our praise. He loves us enough to secure us. Amen. He's worthy of our praise. Amen. He loves us enough every day to supply all of our needs. So therefore, he is worthy of our praise. David acknowledged, hey, he's loved me and shown me grace and favor when I didn't deserve it. Therefore, despite the difficulties, despite this dry, desolate, barren land, I'm still going to praise him. Notice if you would here real quickly in verse number 4. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. David begins to recollect his thoughts of God's love towards him. Perhaps maybe he, his mind goes back to the time when Samuel took that, that oil and anointed him to be king of Israel. Perhaps maybe he fast forwards time and He remembers when that bear came out to devour his father's sheep and God enabled him to kill that bear with his bare hands. And that lion come out after after his father's sheep and God enabled him and gave him the courage and the strength to, to conquer that lion. Maybe his mind goes back to the time that he stood before Goliath. God enabled him to kill that giant. God favored him and loved him and sheltered him, preserved his life. And he says, Lord... According to verse number 4, he holds his hands up towards heaven and he blesses the Lord. But how in the world could he do that in that dry, difficult place? His rightful place was in the palace, living in royalty, living in comfort. Oh, he knew how good his God was. Amen. He had a love for God in his heart that I believe that each and every one of us ought to have. Are you with me? Verse number 5, the Bible says, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. One of the reasons, listen to me, I'm not being critical, I'm just being real. One of the reasons we have a hard time praising God in our Christian lives is simply because we fail to remember His goodness. Are you with me? Notice this, he says, Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings, what did he say? Will I rejoice. So David, he's determined to do what? To praise the Lord. But then he's determined, and I'm, I'm done right here. He's determined not only to praise the Lord despite his difficult time in life, but he's determined by the grace of God to press on. Once again, he said in verse number 8, My soul followeth hard after thee. Things are bleak. Things are barren. Things are hard. Things are hostile. Well, I'm experiencing all kinds of negative things in my life. The odds are in my favor. Boy, this is a desolate, difficult, dry place to be in. But you know what? I'm not going to quit. 
my soul, God, it follows hard after thee. Essentially, David said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to press towards the mark. I'm going to run the race that is set before me. I'm going to look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give out. I'm not going to give in. No matter how dry, desolate, or difficult things may get. I'm going to keep serving God. Because God has been good to me. With every head bowed and every eye closed and one looking around. I thank you so much for being attentive. Thank you so much for the opportunity to preach. Brother Bradley, thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity. But as we get a piano player to come and play softly on the piano, I wonder tonight under the sound of my voice, how many of you would be honest with yourself and honest with God? You would slip up your hand and say, Preacher, I'm in a difficult place in my life. God knows what it is. God bless you. God bless you. What is the difficulty in your life? David exemplifies in Scripture here in Psalm 63 how we ought to react as believers. When things get dry and desolate, when things get difficult, aren't you thankful that we have a God who's faithful, dependable, and reliable? As we all stand to our feet, I'm going to turn it over to your pastor. slip out from where you're at and say I'm facing a hard difficult place but I want to follow hard after the Lord I don't want to lose the praise from off my lips I don't want to lose the freedom that I have to worship and able to raise my hand for Him these are coming others are moving wish I would have come tonight God spoke to my heart through the message I want to come and ask the Lord for help. I don't want to lose my praise during this. It's dry where I'm at. It's desolate. It's difficult. I want to keep a praise on my lips.